welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. How long can we keep saying that for? Can we, we can still say that, can we? Little, thanks, Mervyn. Um, I hope you've had a good uh, little break. I wonder how you're feeling about 2019. Probably all sorts of different emotions in each one of us and uh, in the room here together. Uh, maybe some of us are feeling excited about 2019. I was just with Josh and Emma Heather, and Emma's uh, due any day. She could drop any day. In fact, they're so excited that Josh... Um, just took Emma to Ikea in Southampton. And they bought so much stuff, when they loaded it into the car, they found that there wasn't room for all the humans. So he, ha- he made Emma drive the, the back to Woking, and he had to get the train, and she could drop the baby at any moment, all because of... Anyway, I shouldn't share that with you, I just thought I'd tell you. But they're very excited. Maybe as you look at 2019, you feel a bit apprehensive uh, about the year to, to come, uh, whether it's Brexit or you know, financial concerns. or um, I, I'm going to be preaching with SJ here. You're going to meet SJ in a moment. And SJ's doing her GCSEs uh, later this year. So you know, maybe you're apprehensive about exams, all sorts of things that you can be a little uh, nervous about. Maybe you're anxious uh, this afternoon, Sammy and I are going to be at a memorial service for a, uh, a good friend of ours who, who um, died quite suddenly on the 21st of December. And we're going to be talking to his wife and two young daughters. And I wonder how they feel at the start of this uh, year. Maybe uh, <laughs> it's all a bit of a haze. Christmas has been so manic, you've hardly had time to think about the new year. Maybe you won't think about the new year till your kids go back to school if you've got kids. Maybe you're one of those ambitious people, you're very focused, and you've got goals and targets for the year. Uh, I need to uh, lose some weight and get fit. And Actually, Sammy and I had a wake-up call on this recently. Um, we, we decided to go out for the night uh, because Nikki and Silla Lee had said we're supposed to have date nights and um, <laughs> we just allowed the conviction to fall on a few people in the room. And, and we decided to have like a phenomenal date night just in case they ever asked us. And, and it was going to, um, it was going to, we, we weren't just going to go to the cinema. No, no, we were going to have cocktails as well. <laughs> it's very Guildford, isn't it? And, uh, and then we found out that we couldn't actually afford to do both cocktails and cinema. We had to choose. And we decided, the cocktail thing sort of appealed to us. We decided to go to that place, the jetty at the top of the high street for cocktails the evening. Um, some of you are thinking, you pretentious what's-its. But it, it comes to us all eventually. And uh, we walked in, and I don't know if you've been in the jetty, but I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's very clean lines, very sharp. All the people in there were average age, about 22, and all sleek and in black. Uh, like, everyone was wearing black, and all the girls were in, like, black skirts, and the men were in these suits and Sammy and I it was winter time and we looked at each other and realized we are knitwear couple (laughs) 
I, I want to be honest with you. We weren't just wearing one layer of knitwear. We had multiple layers of knitwear. And we open the door, and there's just all these incredibly attractive people in there sipping cocktails, and the music's blaring out, and we're like, and we look, we, we can do this. We, we, we're entirely, you know, able to do this. So we, we stepped in, and this guy who's just more hipster than hipster, he had like a, a monocle and a sort of like tight tweed waistcoat and unusual facial hair came up to us and seated us, and I'm like, we can do this. And um, then it brought us the menu of the cocktails, and it's actually, as a Christian, quite hard to even read some of the uh, names. I don't know how you do a redeemed version of cocktails. Um, I'll have a Jesus saves with a twist of, no. And, um, and so all this is going on, and then the guy, and I think we're nailing this. Like, we are out for cocktails. Nikki and Silla are gonna be impressed. And, and then the guy, the hipster guy, comes over to take our orders. And I kid you not, he looks straight at my wife, not at me. And he, and, he, and, and he says, his first words to her are, would you like me to turn the music down? <laughs> he was prepared to spoil the entire atmosphere for everyone in there just because knitwear couple had come in. <laughs> so, yeah. So, some of us have had wake-up calls. Well, no matter how you are feeling about the year ahead, it's my privilege as a minister of the gospel to stand in front of you this Sunday morning and say to you, there is a God in heaven. He made you. He knows you. He loves you. He is with you. He is going to be with you every single step of the way, come what may, through this year. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He is on your side. He is for you. I'm not guaranteeing, I cannot guarantee that this year will be easy. I cannot guarantee that everything that you want will come, but I can guarantee, because it is promised in Scripture, that God will be with you every step of the way. You know, God is all about beginnings. If you look at the very first words of the book of Genesis, the start of the Bible, it says, in the beginning. And then if you turn right to the end of the Bible, to the book of Revelation, and read the last couple of chapters, God says, behold, I am making all things new. So even at the end, he's still beginning. God is all about new things, new songs, new day, new hope. He is always beginning. And that's weird because the way people tend to perceive God is some old man in the sky and churches are these sort of antiquated, dusty old buildings. But actually, he's the God of innovation and creation and imagination. He is the God of the new. If you want proof of that, look at Xander, who just got dedicated. Look at all the babies. I can't keep up with all the babies that are being born in this church. What are you people up to? It's, I mean, it's just new life sprouting all over the place. So let's look at a little bit of the Bible that talks about uh, that. This is Isaiah chapter uh, 43, and we're going to read verses 18 and 19. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. 
God says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God says, forget the former things. Forget 2018. Don't dwell on the past. You know, it's really easy to pitch a tent or even build a house on the past. Don't dwell. Don't make a habitation of the past. You meet some people and they live in the past. They're nostalgic and sentimental for the past. Or the hurts and the wounds and the pain of yesterday is robbing them of their destiny. Don't dwell on the past. You go to some kinds of churches and they are camped out. They're dwelling in the past. But God is the God of the new. God is the God of beginnings. Don't dwell on the past. See, he says, see, I am doing a new thing. And notice where God is doing the new thing. It is in the wilderness. It is in the wasteland. It is in the least likely places, the least promising places that God does the new thing. So don't count yourself out. If you're thinking, my life feels like a bit of a wasteland. I'm carrying so much baggage into this new year that I can hardly stand up. God maybe feels a long way away. Maybe, maybe uh, you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're struggling with your finances. All sorts of different ways that life can feel like a wasteland. But it is in the wilderness and in the wasteland that God does the new thing. It is so easy to get jaded in life. And so just before I hand over to SJ, I want to read one of my favorite um, quotes from G.K. Chesterton. And this is all about how God loves to do new things. Listen to this. You're going to love it. Chesterton says, Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things to be repeated and unchanged. Do you ever notice that? Children always say, do it again, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he or she is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. Is it possible that God says every single morning, do it again to the sun? And every evening, do it again to the moon? It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. <laughs> it may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old. And our Father is younger than we. Wow. Isn't that a beautiful image? The Creator God who's still creating, creating Xander, you know, creating, creating new opportunities for you, creating even new songs. Maybe even you came this morning and 
you felt desperate, but there's been some moment in the worship, maybe even something in what I'm saying now, and there's a little flicker of hope. God is always creating you. He's saying, do it again, do it again, do it again. He is the God of new beginnings. Always joyful, always hopeful. And so I'm going to hand over to SJ now. And, and some of you will remember, it was a few months ago, and um, SJ came up and shared a prophecy, which I think takes courage when you're 15. And she stood right here, and I thought it was such an amazing word from God. And she delivered it with such confidence, eloquence. I said to her, do you want to preach sometime? Do you remember, does anyone remember this? And she, she went, yeah, I've been waiting for you to ask me. So I'm like, oh, okay. So this is that. So SJ is now going to take over the preach. I thought, first one of the year, that's a good one to uh, cut your teeth on. So um, please, will you put your hands together and welcome SJ Coleman. Sorry, everyone. I'm going to have to get this out for a sec. <laughs> good morning, everybody. It's so, so good to be here. See all these beautiful faces. So, there should be a photo coming up in a second of me and my younger brother when I was 10 years old and when he was eight. And this photo basically describes us as kids. <laughs> we were very energetic and very happy and we had a pretty amazing childhood and we were just oblivious to very, very bad things. Now, this was a few weeks before our lives had changed. We're gonna change forever. I remember it. It was December 4th, 2012, and it was a sunny afternoon. I was 10 years old at the time, and my parents and I and my younger brother, Guy, lived in Los Angeles, California. That afternoon, my dad got a phone call from my mom, and he started to seem a little frantic. And, but me and my brother were very jokey, and we liked to have fun. So we thought it was a joke. So we went and grabbed some paper bags from the kitchen and pre pretended to hyperventilate, which was not the best time <laughs> to do that. We then hopped into the car and got on our yellow Crocs, and we headed to what we didn't know what was happening. My, we pulled up to a, my mom's car smashed on the side of the road and we didn't know if she was dead or alive. Little did I even know that this would be a new beginning and a new chapter in my lifetime. She was alive and we got through the next Christmas and Christmas was great. And she seemed really fine and she pushed through and persevered and then in January, she had a nervous breakdown and struggled with PTSD for about eight months. And for five of those months, she actually was just in bed. She couldn't see anybody and she was just had to stay in bed. And you can imagine what that was like for me and my brother as we were homeschooled at the time and we had a nanny. So we weren't allowed to hug our mom, see our mom, show her our photos or anything like that. We just had to stay in the other room. About a year later, after this happened, um, my dad left our house. And that was, we really struggled there because he didn't have a job. So we did, we had basically nothing. We had God and us and that was it. 
A few years later, my parents finally divorced, and my dad decided that he needed the money, so he was going to make us sell our childhood home. So he forced us to sell our childhood home, and the day that we actually left that house forever was the day that we went on vacation to England for the summer to visit our grandparents. We were going to stay in England for the summer, and then we were going to move back, and my mom would have to get four jobs and struggle with money and try and find a place for us to live with me, my brother, and our three crazy dogs. That just wasn't going to work. I remember the exact day that I was told about even the possibility of moving to England. I discussed it on the phone with my friend Hannah about how this just this would never happen to me. I mean, like, I'm the kind of girl that, like, this would never happen to. I lived in L.A., you know, this just wasn't going to happen. I never even imagined it being a possibility. And I forgot that a few weeks earlier to that, I was at a youth conference, and they actually said to me, or said to a group of us, God isn't going to give you stuff you can't handle. God isn't going to throw you to Africa if you don't have a place in Africa, if you're not supposed to go to Africa. So I was like, okay, well, I'll never go to Africa. That's great. And then I never considered England. (laughs) And then the news came. My mom came home late one night from praying with a friend for a couple of hours, and she told me the news that my dad had agreed to us living in England. And I was absolutely devastated. Another new beginning. I remember the first day of school like it was yesterday. It was September 2016, and I was going into year nine at St. Peter's Catholic School in Guilford. I had never been to the school before. I had never met anyone at the school, and I was never, I never, I just didn't know anything about the school, basically. So we rolled up to the school around 8.45 a.m., and this is a photo of me and my mom, actually, when we were driving up. I was very excited. (laughs) And, And I met with my head of year, and she, what I thought was she was showing me around the school so I would introduce to people, but I was actually just pushed into a room and stared at by 28 kids, and that was my form. And I said, hi, everybody, and awkwardly sat down, and everyone started talking because was, I was the new American kid, and it was strange. Another new beginning. Now, I'm telling you all of this because by the time that I was 13 years old, I had already had a handful of new beginnings. And today we're going to talk about how God moves through us and with us in these new beginnings. Now, I remember a few months later, I'd made quite a decent amount of friends and I was because I was a really big social butterfly and because I was American and everyone wanted to know about L.A. and I was different. But I really struggled with that because people started to tease me about my voice and then it started to become bullying and then it became constant and it was really harsh and I didn't know how to deal with it. One of my close friends at the time, a few months after this had happened, told me, how are you so confident that first day you walked into form? And I was like, I was confident? (laughs) And she said, yeah, I would have never been able to do that if I was you. 
And I look back on that now, and I think the only way that I did that was that I had faith that God had a plan, that God was in this new beginning, and it wasn't just me walking alone into this classroom, but it was me and Jesus. I was never alone. So I went through that school year crying and sobbing at home to my mom with fights and awful stuff already going on at my grandparents' house where we were living at the time. But I had faith. Then, that summer of 2017, at the end of year nine, a crazy, a crazy <laughs> roller coaster of a year, I went to LA for a month. And it was amazing. It was the best time that I had ever had, and I stayed with my best friends every single day. I always felt connected. I was with Jesus, and my, all my best friends over there are Christians, and I was just so happy and excited, and it was a massive blow. Because when I came back to England after that that happened, I fell into a massive depression, and I struggled with anxiety for months. I felt so paranoid and sad because I had gone from such a high point in my life to such a low point so quickly. To get myself through the rest of year 10 and motivate myself to get me through my first part of my GCSEs, I told myself, you know what? You're gonna go to winter camp, SJ. So in LA, at my old home church, um, they have a thing called winter camp for the youth, and it's like Soul Survivor, but it's a three-day weekend at a snow resort in Big Bear, California. And it's amazing. You can just be with the Lord and be happy. So I told myself I would do it, and I saved up the money, and I got myself, I bought myself a ticket, and I flew over to L.A. for half term and went to winter camp. On the first night... I was halfway through year 10 at this point. They gave a word. They said, I feel like a few people in here have been told that they're dumb and that they're less of a human being because of their grades and people have told them that they're stupid and pathetic and worthless and that they're not smart and will never be smart and because of this will never achieve their dreams. And if that's you, I'd really appreciate it if you'd stand up. My friend Taylor, sitting next to me, immediately shot up. And I related to the words so much, I just shot up as well. I then proceeded to sob my eyes out. Because during my time at school, most of the things I was told was that I was worthless, stupid, pathetic, and my voice didn't matter. And another reason I was told I was so stupid was because I was put into bottom set everything in year nine. And then in year 10, I was put into fourth set everything. And that is the lowest set you can possibly get into at my school. Now, one of the only reasons that I was actually put in those sets was, be, was actually because I missed a complete grade of school. I missed all of year eight when I moved to England, so I never was a actually able to learn any of the, so the material. People said I was worthless because when I said things in my American accent, people would make fun of me. Now, I wasn't afraid to say the things I was going to say, but 
people over here have very different opinions from where I come from. And that was really tough for me. So there I was, sobbing my eyes out at winter camp. That night, I actually had a demon cast out of me. And it was the demon of fear. Because I was so afraid to go back to England and be told that I was dumb and alone and that my opinion would never matter because of where I came from or the beliefs I had or the fact that I even believed in God was just irrelevant to everything. But when I had that demon of fear cast out of me, I wasn't afraid of new beginnings. I wasn't afraid of what was going to happen because I knew that God was in it and he had a purpose for me and that he was going to bring me through this tough time. And that I just wasn't being tossed around between two places in the world, but that this pain was actually growing me. It's like salt in the wound, for instance. God is going to use what you are going through and bring joy out of it. And he's going to heal you and take that pain and use it to grow you to be the person you're supposed to be. And the best way to clean wounds is to pour salt in it and just get it all out. And it's so painful and it's so rough, but it's the right thing to do. And God uses that pain to heal the wound and actually grow you. So after that night at winter camp, I had peace. And this is a photo of me and my friend Taylor the night, the day after. Taylor was the friend sitting next to me. So now when people make comments about my voice or where I'm from or my opinions I have, I am not offended and I'm not afraid I am now not scared of what, about new beginnings. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me in A-level, and I'm not afraid of what university I'm gonna go to. Because new beginnings shouldn't be terrifying, they should be exciting. You shouldn't be afraid to start anew because God makes anew every single day. I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, I have thousands of photos of sunsets on my phone. Thousands and thousands. And here are just nine of the photos that I have. Just hundreds. <laughs> they're never the same, the sunsets. Every single day they're different, but they're so beautiful. And God grows the clouds and he makes the light reflect in different ways to show his beauty every afternoon. The winds are never the same. The leaves never fall in the same pattern. And God is always the same. God is always constant and never changing. And if God is for you, who on earth can be against you? No one. If the God who created everything holds you in the palm of his hand, what is there to be afraid of? And new beginnings are a blessing. Because if I'd never gone through all of the things I've been through, I would have never been able to be the person I am today. 
I would never have been able to preach today and have the confidence that God has given me in him, my Godfidence. The old had to go for the new to come. New beginnings shouldn't be scary, they should be celebrated. If you're scared about a new beginning and starting a new job, or starting a new relationship, or a new marriage, or having a child, or going to a new high school, or starting a new friendship group, or even going to a new supermarket. And if you're really scared about starting a new year, you shouldn't be scared. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? Why be afraid of the unknown when God is so much love that there's nothing to be afraid of in him? Nothing to be afraid of in him. Isaiah 43, 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I was in the wasteland. And the stream looked like a tsunami, even though it was a rescue mission. New is good in God. There is no need to be scared of what God's plan is for you because he never wants to harm you. He wants to heal you and rescue you and change you into the person that he created you to be. He ordained you to be beautiful and loved. And by the way, when the devil really gets us, where the devil really gets us with these new beginnings is in our perceiving how they appear at first. When I first moved into my current lovely house in Godalming, I hated it. Even though now it's one of the loveliest houses I've ever lived in. And it's right next door to actually one of my now best friends, Ella, who even goes to my school. So what do you do when the devil tries to deceive you and say everything is terrible? Well, me and my mom's initial reaction to this was to tell him to beat it, or words to that effect. Walk by faith and don't walk by sight. God is with you and there is nothing to be afraid of. God has ordained from the moment you were conceived a plan for you to take you on a journey with him. God has a plan for you and you should not be afraid of what he has. Thank you. That was great, SJ. Well done. Thank you. Lord, we pray you'd raise up lots of our teenagers to preach and to prophesy and to be courageous for you. And um, SJ, well done. Thank you for being so brave and honest about really difficult, really hard things, but also about how God's been uh, real to you in the midst of all of those. 
And it's true. If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm really aware that SJ's story isn't going to be anyone else's here. We all walk our own uh, paths. But, of course, all of us do go through wasteland. We'll go through difficult times, hard times. Uh, Many of us here, it may not be past tense, we may be carrying all sorts of pain here uh, today in lots of different ways. And uh, I believe that um, the Lord wants to say to us at the start of this new year that just as we know the challenges of life, we can also know new hope. The Bible talks again and again about God putting a new song into our hearts. And this passage talks about a new way in the wilderness. I I really felt like that that phrase was significant for someone here. It's like you've been feeling lost. You maybe even have just been saying to God, I I can't see any way forward. And he says, I'm going to create a way in the wilderness for you. And so in a moment, we're just going to pray for some people, if, if, if anyone would like to receive prayer. Uh, but first, I just want to whip through some really practical things that you can do at the start of this year. If you're anything like me and you're thinking, oh, help, we're in 2019, uh, here's just some really practical things that you could think about doing to help you grow in your encounter with God, your experience of God in this uh, year. Uh, So first of all, if you're a little bit new to church and all this kind of stuff, the thing I want to say to you is ABC. ABC. A, think about doing this thing alpha this year. You'll have heard about it already, some of you. It's just a a course we run on Tuesday nights just over the road there in the Founders Studio. We have food together. We go through different uh, key um, topics uh, and, and look at what does Christianity teach on these, and then we discuss them. Lots of people do Alpha who are not uh, Christians. Um, uh, some people do it as atheists, and by the end they say, I think I'm agnostic. I, you know, other people do find a faith. <coughs> but when, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not getting emotional. I've just got a frog in my throat. Um, <coughs> thank you, Josie. But when um, <clears throat> two billion people in our world are, uh, believe in Jesus Christ, it's worth at some point in your life just taking a moment to check it all out and say, what do I think about this? Is it true? So that's A, <clears throat> Alpha. B, if you haven't been baptized, think about getting baptized this year. Jesus says repent and be baptized. He got baptized as an adult. And uh, so you may want to follow in his footsteps. This might be your year to do that. C, Guess what C is? Yes, someone message. Join a collective. Those are just our small groups that uh, meet uh, in, in homes and other places during the week. And as the church grows and gets bigger all the time, that's where we can really build friendships and do community and get support one another through the sorts of things like what SJ has been sharing. So if you're new to all of this, ABC, Alpha Baptism Collectives. But there'll be some of you saying... Well, I've done all that, I, you know, I've done Alpha and you know, I've been baptised and I've joined a collective. What now? Well, <clears throat> don't freak out at this. I have nine things for you. <clears throat> nine things. They're going to be very quick if I can speak. <clears throat> Good. I think we're there. No, I think we're there. Has anyone got a cigarette? No, that's a joke. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
That is genuinely a joke. <laughs> if you'd all been completely silent at that point, it would have been really awkward. John Maxwell, the uh, leadership guru, says, you will never change your life until you change something that you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. Your daily routine. And so I just want to give you, and they are going to be very, very quick, don't panic, nine uh, things. And I reckon for everyone here, there might just be one. Lots of these you'll go, I've nailed that one already. Good. But I hope there's just one. And uh, there's three for some daily th things you can do, three for weekly things you can do, three for some termly things you can do. So here we go. Three daily things. The first one is this. If you don't already have some kind of framework for a, a, just a little oasis, a little time each day with God, then why don't you think about doing the Bible in one year this year? It's a brilliant free app. I love the audio on it because often I can, you know, be listening to Nicky Gumbel taking me through, you know, New Testament whilst I'm unloading the dishwasher or whatever because that's the kind of husband I am. So... Um, <clears throat> Bible in one year. Uh, secondly, uh, you could think about just carving out, this is a really simple little thing, but five minutes before bed each night to just process the day with God. Sit quietly. If you're the last person to go to bed in your house and turn out the lights, just have a moment to process the day and just walk through it with the Lord. Or, or walk around the block. If, like us, you've got dogs and they need to be, uh, shall we say, lubricated at night, then... Um, no, that's entirely the wrong word, actually. Um, three, moving on. This is going to sound a weird one, but I think it's an important one. Music. Music is one of the most powerful gifts God has given us. And I just wonder whether some of us need to fill our houses with music a bit more this year. Because it will bring joy and it will affect the atmosphere, depending which music you, you, you choose. I don't suggest the Smiths, uh, for example. But, but music, just I, I, as, as I was praying, I was thinking, I, I, I think that might be something for some people here. Think about some weekly things that we could do this year. One, if you are in a relationship... Uh, with someone romantic relationship, I mentioned it earlier. Date nights, recommit to date nights. I recommend the jetty at the top of the high street. Uh, I just can't go there with my wife anymore. Um, <clears throat> no, I can, I can, I can. Secondly, um, why don't you think about inviting someone to come on Alpha uh, this term? In a way, it doesn't matter too much if they say yes or no. Obviously, it would be brilliant if they say, say yes. But even if they say no, at least invite them. Because so many people, I'm looking at people now who come through Alpha and have come to a real Christian faith and they're saying it's the best thing that's ever happened to them. Let, let's offer that opportunity to our friends. The third little uh, challenge for the, the, the year is, is what about um, really making the decision? And many of you are really good at this. Uh, uh, by definition of being here, but to really committing to gathering together on a Sunday every week. I grew up in a, a home where we went to church every Sunday. We never missed one. I mean, even when we were on holiday, we'd have to go and find some uh, church in the middle of nowhere because we just never missed it. And, and there is, all the statistics show that people who go to church go less regularly these days. 
And I think that's a shame. I've said it before, and I don't want to be too heavy about it, but honestly, if, if, if you're averaging coming, you know, 50%, you know, two Sundays out of the month, that means you're, if you've got kids, they're getting half the discipleship, they're building half the relational depth. Why don't you just reboot a little bit? I used to think that I was very regular at the gym, and now I have an app which records whenever I go, and it turns out I don't go as often as I actually uh, was convinced that I did go. <clears throat> so, another little challenge is... Um, what about just thinking about reading a, a, a Christian book? Something that will feed your soul this term. Uh, Maybe if you don't have time for reading an audio book. But I cannot tell you how much I've been shaped and challenged and encouraged and grown in my faith through reading. And so that might be a little challenge for someone here. Another thought is um, you could get your schedule and block out half a day, sometime between now and Easter, just for you and God to hang out. And uh, uh, it could be going to a coffee shop and, you know, you take your, your Bible on your, your phone and your, your, your journal. It could be that you go for a good old walk in the countryside. But, but block it out. And I, I suggest you don't write date with God in your diary or people will think you're really weird. Uh, write um, appointment with the prime minister into your diary, you'll uh, remember, unless you're a Christian guy, in which case he probably has got a meeting with the Prime Minister, but the, or Mervyn Thomas, who's now, you've got a very big title, I notice now, very, very important, major award from the Queen. Uh, but uh, the rest of us, appointment the, the Prime Minister, you stick it in there and, 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 and stick to that and have that half day with the Lord. And the final one is, you know, we're trying to go deeper in prayer as a church really make a decision and commit to getting into the prayer and maybe this term is the time to a half night of prayer Jesus often did that it's a wonderful exciting challenging thing to do so hopefully there's just one thing in there that someone somewhere can think yeah I could do that I'd love it if the band could just come back if that's all right now because I'd love just to pray for some people Okay, okay. Did Bill already, did you announce that earlier? We're having to finish earlier uh, today. So let's just take a moment at the start of this year, just a little bit of silence to pause and just reflect. I wonder what the things are that you're thinking, I really want to leave that behind in 2018. Remember the Lord says, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. What are the things you want to leave behind? And as you look to the year to come, what is the new thing that you need the Lord to do? Maybe you want to just talk to him about some of the things that I've outlined, one or two of the practical challenges. And I'd love just to give an opportunity to anyone here who particularly resonates with that thing about the wilderness and the wasteland you remember where 
both SJ and I talked about God meeting with us, doing his new thing in the wilderness and the wasteland. There may well be people here who are saying, that's my current scenario. Maybe, maybe you're in a relational wasteland. Maybe you're despairing about one of your children. Actually, as I was praying earlier, I, I, I sensed the Lord speak to me about someone who um, your plans have just got rewritten. And I think it's around a parent that has just got sick and you're coming into this year and you, you had plans and suddenly it's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to have to prioritize them. And there's this... Um, disappointment that's even hard to admit in a way that you're feeling but there may be all sorts of things that are causing you to feel that you're in wasteland you're in wilderness and the word of the Lord to you is I am doing a new thing in the wilderness I'm making a way in the wasteland and so uh, there's no pressure at all but if you'd like to do so I would love just to say a quick prayer for any of you who are saying, I, I, right there this morning, I'm in the wasteland, I'm in the wilderness. I'd hate someone to leave here today saying, well, that was great, but I'm really struggling. And I didn't get to just be honest about that. And so I don't want anyone to feel pressured to do so, but there may be one or two people here saying, that's me. And I, I'd like to invite you in a moment just to stand as a way of saying, yes, Lord. I am the wasteland you're talking about. I am in the wilderness you're talking about. I need your new song. I need your, your way. I need your new thing in my life. And so, you know, without any hype or anything like that, no one feel pressured, but if you'd like to do so, um, the way we can know who we're praying for is if you don't mind just standing where you are now, if you're saying, that's me, that's what I'm experiencing right now, and then that'll enable us to pray for you. Thank you. I know it takes courage. Okay, if there's someone standing near you, and there probably is, why don't you, if you don't mind, just stretch out a hand towards them as a way of expressing your prayers for them. And obviously we don't know what your wilderness looks like. But the Lord really does. And so let's pray now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and do this thing. You would do a new thing in the wilderness for each of these people. Lord, whatever the pain is, whatever the hard things are, whatever the dryness looks like, I ask that you'd come and be with them in the midst of it. Lord, for those who feel that they're in a dead end, they don't know how to move forward, they don't know how to get out, would you create a way in the wilderness? And Lord, would you help us, please, not to dwell on the past, but to find hope in the future. So come, Holy Spirit, I pray.
bring comfort and counsel. Bring the wisdom of heaven. Would you put a new song in old hearts? New hope for this new year. A new day in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brilliant. Do please be seated. If receiving that prayer was all that you needed, that's great. But if you're saying, actually, this is a big thing for me, I'd just encourage you to talk to somebody and say, can we just process this and pray a little bit more into it? Because for some of us, this will be really deep stuff. But Happy New Year, everyone. God is going to be with us every step of the way. And thank you so much to SJ. You did brilliantly.